0: we are about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. Time flies when you're learning super cool stuff. I'm Nate.
1: And I'm Callie. If you're dropping in for the first time, welcome to Curiosity, where we aim to blow your mind by helping you to grow your mind. If you're a loyal listener, welcome back.
0: Today, you'll learn about a slingshot launching payloads into space, the impressively modern looking world's oldest pants, and how moth wings are able to absorb sound to avoid detection from bats.
1: Without further ado, let's satisfy some Curiosity.
0: Hey, do you remember those toys in jungle gyms? They were called, like, merry-go-rounds or roundabouts, but it was a circular platform with handles, and you could stand on them and spin.
1: Oh, those were so much fun. Though, I used to spin too quickly sometimes, and then you'd get so queasy.
0: (laughs) Well, what if that is the newest step in space exploration?
1: Getting queasy while spinning?
0: Well, a new startup called SpinLaunch has developed a system to launch payloads into low-Earth orbit, the area in space that is 1,200 miles or less above the planet, Where things like the International Space Station Orbit. The new system uses centrifugal force from super-fast rotations to launch payloads. And if it works, it could help us get into space more affordably and with less impact on the environment.
1: Centrifugal force, that's the outward force that comes when you spin something around a fixed point. Sounds like those tilt-a-world carnival rides that spin and pin you to your seat. That has to be dizzying.
0: Well, fear not, we won't be spinning astronauts. Spin launch has smaller, less uh, alive payloads in mind. Last fall, they had their first successful test and launched a 10-foot projectile thousands of feet into the air. And that was with a prototype that was just a third of the size of the launcher they want to build.
1: So what does the system look like?
0: It starts with a circular steel vacuum chamber 300 feet across. It's like a giant bass drum with a sort of pipe or chimney coming out the top. Inside, a carbon fiber arm spins from a central point.
1: Oh, I am very glad they're not putting astronauts in there.
0: Right? The payload goes on the end of the arm and spins at speeds up to 5,000 miles an hour. When it's fast enough, the payload disconnects from the arm and shoots up through the chimney. The plan is for the centrifugal forces to carry projectiles to the stratosphere, where thrusters would kick in to push it the rest of the way up to low Earth orbit.
1: This reminds me of that show Pumpkin Chunkin with those crazy catapults that launch pumpkins thousands of feet. Are those the kinds of payloads we're talking about? If it's spinning at 5,000 miles per hour, I'm not sure I'd want anything bigger than a gourd.
0: Well, the engineers expect the payloads could go up to about 440 pounds. It could be great for smaller things like satellites, orbiting experiments, or even, in a commercial setting, the ashes of loved ones who want their remains in space.
1: Well, that would certainly make funerals more exciting.
0: Plus, SpinLaunch says their system could reduce fuel use by 70% and reduce cost by about 90% from our current launch methods. And while those final push thrusters will likely use more traditional fuel, the launch systems run on an electric engine.
1: It sounds pretty impressive, but will we need all new materials to withstand those speeds and forces?
0: They say it uses existing hardware and won't require any big advancements in tech or materials. Even still, they need to do a lot more testing to ensure that payloads can withstand the impressive Gs that come with spinning at 5,000 miles an hour.
1: Well, if we don't have to worry about rocket safety on the ground, can we do launches more quickly?
0: Yes, that's another one of the bonuses. If they can perfect the system, they could likely do multiple launches a day. That could be a huge boon for developing systems like Constellation satellites that use many small satellites working together in low-Earth orbit.
1: That's incredible. But will the system, the company, even get off the ground?
0: SpinLaunch just created a partnership with NASA that requires a test later this year. They'll need to launch and recover a payload and show they can blow one up if it goes awry. They'll have to prove the efficacy and safety of the system and ensure it won't harm humans.
1: I didn't know NASA was investing in this type of smaller project. I've got some good ideas that sound less crazy than this.
0: I'm sure someone has already tackled your space bacon idea, Callie. (laughs) Hey! As much as our astronauts do deserve a new and exciting breakfast food. The partnership comes from the Flight Opportunities Program that allows researchers to demonstrate new and promising tech for space exploration, discovery, and commerce.
1: So if everything goes well, when might we actually see it in use?
0: SpinLaunch hopes to deliver the first payloads to low-Earth orbit by 2025, and they have a lot of partners like Airbus and Google that are interested in seeing that happen.
1: From gym class to the atmosphere, that's a big step for centrifugal force.
0: Well, I'm glad your friends never spun you into orbit. (laughs) You and me both.
1: So, you might think that archaeologists only deal with bones, but I've got a story today about something far softer and impressively modern.
0: Soft and modern? Is it an ancient bed or something?
1: Even better. Archaeologists have found the world's oldest pair of pants, and they look shockingly modern. Their complex weaves and mixed patterns show how specialized and wide-ranging clothing production was even 3,000 years ago.
0: Where'd they find them? That'd be quite the thrift shop (laughs) haul.
1: Chinese archaeologists found them in a cemetery in northwestern China, and the things they found with the pants suggest they belonged to a horse-riding warrior.
0: What kinds of rad things do you need to stand out as a horseback warrior?
1: The pants were part of a burial outfit that included a poncho, ankle boots, a headband with seashells and bronze discs, and the warrior was surrounded with a bridle, battle axe, and horse bit, presumably things he loved in life.
0: Well, people still do that today. I'm planning to be buried with a battle axe.
1: (laughs) Of course you are. (laughs) Sure, but even with all of this neat equipment, his pants were the most interesting. Using carbon dating on the wool fabric, researchers think he was buried in them between 1,000 and 1,200 BCE. Impressively, they had three distinct woven patterns that made them purpose-built for riding.
0: Ooh, were they zip-offs for when it got hot?
1: No, they were not my dad's pants. Most of the pants were made from woven twill, a diagonal ribbed weave that we use in jeans. This helped make the hardy and stiff wool fabric flexible, great for getting on and off your horse without being restricted or tearing the back.
0: Oh, there's nothing worse than tearing the rear seam on a pair of pants.
1: Has, has that happened to you?
0: N- no, <laughs> Callie.
1: Well, thankfully, these pants actually did not have any seams or cuts in the fabric. It means the fabric was likely woven specifically to fit the warrior, the Torfin man, as archaeologists are calling him, and they were made to move. The crotch was wider in the center to allow the pants to move and bunch during the extreme movements of riding.
0: Kind of like work pants built for specific motions.
1: Exactly. But that's not the only special feature. The knees also had a different weave called the tapestry weave that was less flexible but made the fabric more durable. The waist had a third weaving technique that created a thick waistband to keep the pants in place and comfortable.
0: I suppose you wouldn't want to be pulling your pants up as you fight from horseback.
1: I oh, can't have that. The variety of weaving techniques in the same pair of pants blew the minds of archaeologists. They worked with modern weaving experts to recreate the pants, and they ended up looking modern.
0: It's pretty impressive that a single weaver could be an expert in all of these techniques. Did this culture just excel at making textiles?
1: Well, fabric is interesting. The oldest piece of twill we've found is from Austria, about 200 to 500 years older than these pants. While there is a chance both cultures developed the weave independently, the styling of the pants suggests that there was likely a lot of contact between the warriors' culture and other groups.
0: Styling? They're patterned pants?
1: Well, different kinds of different weaves. There is a weave that looks like a pyramid, suggesting the weavers may have had contact with the Mesopotamians. And there is an interlocking design of tees that's also been found on the bronze containers in China and western Siberia, places more than 1,800 miles away. And that tapestry weaving on the knees, it is believed to have originated in southwestern Asia.
0: That's an unbelievable distance. I'd guess you'd need some tough trousers for all that.
1: Seriously. All these cultural signifiers have archaeologists thinking that these migrating herders and warriors picked up ideas and techniques from different cultures in the very earliest days of the trading route, the Silk Road.
0: Who knows how many stories our pants could tell?
1: (laughs) Well, I think it shows that we really haven't changed much. There's nothing like a favorite pair of pants.
0: Do you remember that movie, A Quiet Place, where the characters had to avoid making noise or else monsters with super hearing would catch them?
1: Ooh, I actually loved that one. Wait, are you about to tell
0: me about real monsters listening to us? Uh, Sort of, but they're not hunting humans. They're hunting moths.
1: Okay, so you're telling me that moths are actually living the plot of this movie. What is hunting them down?
0: Bats. Bats are natural predators of moths. When bats hunt, they use echolocation to send out a sound and listen as the sound waves bounce off of things and back to them. By doing this, they can sort of see what's around them, including moths, even in the dark. But a new study found that those moths are fighting back. To avoid being eaten, they've developed wings that can absorb much of those echolocation sounds to keep them from bouncing back to the bat. Learning from these flying creatures could be a huge help for our efforts to soundproof areas like recording studios, our homes and the inside of commercial airplanes. I could've trained a million moths to line my sound booth that I'm recording in right now.
1: Okay, well, you could've done that. So John Krasinski might've been able to avoid detection by surrounding himself with a cloak of moths.
0: That might've actually worked. It's because the moth's wings are covered in tiny scales of various sizes. And each of these has its own resonant frequency, which means each scale is good at absorbing a certain pitch of sound. With the variety of scale sizes, the moth can absorb a broad range of sounds and make it harder for the bat to find them.
1: How much of the sound do they absorb?
0: The research team wanted to see just that, so they placed small parts of moth wings on aluminum discs and then sent sound waves at them. They regularly repositioned the discs so that the sound waves would hit at different angles. What did they find? They found that they're great sound absorbers. 87% of the sound that was sent to the wing was absorbed. That doesn't
1: even sound possible. Moth wings are so small.
0: It kind of blew the researchers away, not in small part because we don't have the technology to make such ultra-thin sound absorption with conventional materials. Sounds have a wavelength, and the scales were only one fiftieth the thickness of the specific wavelength they were built to absorb.
1: Okay, so what does this mean for the future? Are we going to try to make something similar with conventional materials?
0: These researchers believe technology like this is going to be necessary for the future of humanity. Cities get louder and louder every day with the increase of cars and population and noise pollution is at an all-time high. In the future, we might be able to borrow what we learn from moths and create soundproofing so thin you could put it on your walls like wallpaper and create a peaceful sanctuary in a loud world.
1: Oh, that sounds so nice. So, okay, when can I plaster up some sound absorbing to keep from hearing my neighbor's late-night movies?
0: (laughs) Well, there's still a lot of work to be done. One of the biggest challenges is that moths use their wings to absorb sounds in ranges that we can't hear. They're too high frequency. If researchers can adapt what they learn, though, and make something similar to absorb sounds in our audible range, it'll give us far thinner and lighter weight options than the foams and such that you see in places like recording studios today.
1: Okay, I get why being thinner would be such an advantage, but why does being lighter matter?
0: Lighter materials could make a huge difference for things like travel. Right now, it's hard to make the inside of cars and planes quieter. Because our current soundproofing materials are so heavy that they actually have a negative effect on fuel efficiency. But if we could use much lighter materials, we could maintain that efficiency while making the inside of planes and cars way more quiet. Think of it, no more need for those noise-canceling headphones when you're in coach. Well, I hope their prototypes go well. We could all use a little quiet. Even if we're not being hunted by crazy monsters. Let's recap what we learned today to wrap up.
1: A new startup has created a promising new way to launch payloads to space, and it's caught NASA's eye. The cheaper and more environmentally friendly system uses centrifugal force to spin small payloads at incredible speeds and launch them into low-Earth orbit.
0: Archaeologists in China have uncovered the world's oldest pants, and even though they're about 3,000 years old, they look shockingly modern. The purpose-built trousers use a variety of weaves that impressed archaeologists and suggest that even thousands of years ago, Trading between cultures was an essential part of life.
1: New research has illuminated the surprising system moths use to avoid detection by their bat predators. A series of various sized ultra-thin scales absorb up to 87% of sounds to help the moths from being detected by the bats echolocation. Learning how the scales work could greatly improve and lighten our manufactured soundproofing materials.
0: Curiosity Daily is produced by Wheelhouse DNA for Discovery.
1: You can follow our show wherever you get your podcasts and we would love it if you could take a second to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts.